0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. So we want to uh, welcome you and uh, invite you to open your Bibles, whether that's uh, you version or whether that's a paper Bible, however that might be. We'll be uh, examining a couple of verses out of Mark chapter 1. Uh, if you're new to faith, uh, if you're new to the church or the experience of church, if you're watching for the first time online, uh, we're just incredibly, incre- incredibly, uh, there's a new word for you. I don't know what it means, but it's a new word for you. Um Incredibly grateful that you've taken the time to join us. We uh, recognise whether you're in-house here or watching online, you know, you're know you giving up some time, you're making a sacrifice to be here, but we hope it's a sacrifice that has some fruit to it. Uh, and in this, whether you're new, we want to encourage you to be reading the Word. And if it's not reading because you're not a reader, listen to the Word. Uh, I love how Naomi reminded us just to sit with a non-Christian and say, hey, let's read Ephesians. It's such a life Giving practical letter, the letter to Ephesians, uh, any of those, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, if you're new to reading scripture, they are a great place to start because they give you life applicable ways to uh, respond to the person of Jesus. Having said that, we're reading through the Gospel of Mark this year and we want to invite you to do that. Um, And again, you might read it, read it in short sections. I said last week, read it in one sitting or two uh, sittings of an hour each. But you might just choose to read through it as we go through it on a weekly basis. As we read it, that might be what you focus on the week. You might choose to read a chapter. If you read a chapter a day, You've read the Gospel of Mark in about half a month. If you read half a chapter a day, it's only taken you a month to engage. And don't just read, the, we want to encourage you not just to read the words on the page, but ask the Holy Spirit to bring revelation and insight. Connect with uh, life groups as well. In uh, really important. Last week, I showed you this poster from Bible Project. Uh, these are available out on the on the in the foyer or online here through this website. You can uh, get this and also watch the overview of the Gospel of Mark. Uh, but we printed these off because these is a great resource now I said last week you can colour them in you can bring them along and colour them in and not many people took them so I'm not sure if that's because you don't like colouring in but if you don't like if you don't want to colour in maybe it's just a good thing to have um, you could study this on the back of your toilet door what else are you going to (laughs) do apart from what you need to do Um, (laughs) sorry that went bad quickly if you're still online and haven't switched, please stay with me. I'll get better. But uh, this, it's just a great, gives you a great overview of the movement of the gospel and how everything connects with it, together in the gospel of Mark. So you might not like to colour in, but it is a great resource. You might like to have this as you read through the gospel of Mark, just to give you hints along the way uh, about where you're travelling as well and how things are opening up. I used to have a. Uh, a Bible what was called a Bible that I'd take to schools with me sometime and it was a this magic Bible that you'd flick the pages I'd turn it over and I'd flick the pages and it would be blank and, I, and sometimes that's how many of us and, and conversations I have with people who have been in the church or following Jesus for a long period of time I find it really hard to read the Bible I find it really hard to get anything out of it and sometimes we feel like we read words but we don't see anything have you felt like that reading the Bible And then I'd do this magic kind of, say the magic words, flip the Bible, turn the Bible, flick the pages, and then the outlines in the Bible would start to come. And maybe that's where you're at. You're starting to see some outline. Maybe you're seeing black and white through this. And maybe you're starting to get a picture, but you're still not sure. And I want to encourage you to persist, persevere, endure Be faithful in your reading. I know it's really easy to give up. You've got plenty of other stuff to do. You've got plenty of Netflix or Stan or Prime TV to watch. There's plenty of other things to do, I understand. But if you're just seeing a blank page or if you're just seeing an outline or not quite coming alive persist and endure because as i uh said the magic words as i waved my hands over this bible that i used to have I went looking for it because i wanted to show it to you i'd flick the pages again and as i encouraged the the children to read scripture all of a sudden the the outlines get filled in with color and the more that we do this the more that we engage the longer that we endure the longer that we remain faithful with the word of god the more alive it becomes If the only time, if the only input of the Word of God that we're receiving here, you're probably going to see a a kind of a grey-lead outline, if you like. But if you engage with it personally, take the time and deliberately 10 minutes a day if that's where you started. And the other thing is to encourage you into our life groups as well or to get connected with other believers. If you know... And just say, hey, let's read through this together. Let's encourage. Even if it's just sending a text. Hey, I read this today. What did you get out of it? Find ways to engage with it. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I want to encourage us to do because it's really easy just to um, see blank pages and go, oh, it's too hard. It can be difficult and there's plenty of temptation to draw us away from the Word. So come back into the Word. Even especially when it's hard, we've got to make the effort to get into the Word. That's not to beat us up but to encourage us and that's my experience too. There's some days I read it and I think, oh God, what are you saying? Really? What do you want me to do with this? And other days I read I think, oh, thank you. It's what I needed. It's what I need to be reminded of. It's what I need to be encouraged and challenged of. So, with all that, we want to welcome you. And today we're reading Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 12 to 15. It's full, it's rich, it's invitational. So, if you've got your U Uvi- Version Bible app open, maybe your pi- paper Bible, start marking it, start writing question marks, underlining things, highlighting things. Get into it. Are you ready to get into it? Excellent. Mark chapter 1, verses 12 to 15. So reading today from Mark 1, 12 to 16. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Pretty simple. Pretty straightforward. Got it. <laughs> so Mark moves quickly. Last week we had this breathtaking ava- event. An, uh, um, an event uh, in the life of Jesus. Breathtaking moment of baptism and identity. Identity. Where Jesus was baptised, John came proclaiming, reminding us of Isaiah um, and then Jesus arrives and, and John baptises him. The, the clouds part and the sun the God calls out and says, you are my son with whom I am well pleased. Beautiful, breathtaking moment of identity, of proclamation, of invitation, a reminder of the relationship. That God has with Jesus of who this relationship is to look to unfold and all of a sudden we see this movement really quickly and you'll see this a lot throughout the gospel of Mark what you'll hear uh, as you read through the gospel of Mark you will see words like this on a regular basis at once immediately so what you see is Mark recalling the accounts of the eyewitness Peter and writing them down and you'll just see this movement through events uh, that draw us into and invite us into understanding what's happening and who the person of Jesus is and what we are being invited into but at once the spirit sent him out this sounds like some kind of relationship doesn't it on the one level God has come and parted the heavens part of the clouds and come and said this is my son you are my son I am well pleased with you now go out into the wilderness go on get out oh well thanks very much and, and we we can struggle with this uh, because this is this is a personal, a deeply personal moment. Some translations here say uh, you might say uh, drove Jesus out, drove him out. I mean that's other and other translations might be compelled. Um, some language, depending on what Greek word is put before. Um, which is the word for sent here, uh, it can also be aligned with the driving out of the demons that we will hear about in the Gospel of Mark as well. So it's the same kind of language, right? So this, is, this isn't just, all right now, Jesus, off you go. This is right. This is what you need to do, my son, whom I love. Um. And so this is, this is uh, driven, compelled almost, is, is some of the language. It's a sense of urgency. Now, and we understand this. Now, I have a picture of the wilderness, and I don't know how accurate, and most of us, I don't know what your picture of the wilderness is. My, my picture of the wilderness is it's a bit barren, it's a bit dry, it's a bit hard, it's a bit overwhelming, it's a bit difficult. We're a bit uncertain of which way to go kind of thing. And most, most of us at some time in our life will feel like this in our lives, yeah? Some of us sitting here right now feel like we're in a wilderness experience. We A, feel like God is no longer near, or B, we're in a position that we didn't plan to be or expect to be and we're not here through any fault of our own, or C, we are here through our own fault, but we don't know how to get out of it. There might be D, E and F as well. And we kind of get to these moments and we go, well, God, why did you lead me here? God, why am I here? God, what have you done for me? God, why haven't you fixed this? And yet these are incredibly important moments for us. Incredibly important moments for us. No one would go out into the wilderness of their own free will, would we? Oh, you know, it's a nice day to go out and wander in the wilderness. And hang around there for 40 days, it's not something we often do by choice. It's often something we look back on when we think oh, it was a really hard time in our life. But I saw this come out of it and I saw this happen and I saw this change in me and I saw this miracle happen. But the obedience of Jesus is quite powerful. And I think what we need to hear here is uh, for the listener uh, and the reader here is and I say listener while we read the text because it is about listening. This was, a, this was an oral gift when it first came about. It was a story that was told around fires, a remembering of. Um, and it's a reminder that God isn't disconnected from our reality, God isn't disconnected from your reality. God isn't disconnected from your experience, from my experience. God isn't removed from the hard things in life, but in fact remains a part of it. So let's unpack a little bit um, a little bit about this. Uh, Mark doesn't actually unpack the temptation. We're told here he was being tempted by Satan. Now I wanted, I'll get back to some other things here shortly, but we're not told... Um, The temptation, you can go read Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 to read the temptation memories and stories a little bit more in detail, except to say this, this is how Satan started with the temptations. If you are the Son of God. It's interesting to me, that the first thing that, the Satan, that Satan seeks to challenge is the identity of Jesus. And I would argue in most conversations, this becomes the greatest struggle when people are in their most difficult parts of life to sit there and say with people, who are you? And it's often in the midst of difficult circumstances and hardship in life that we struggle to know or remember who we are and that is that we are the children of God made in his image, according to his purposes and his glory. We get so wrapped up in the circumstances, we get so overwhelmed by the decisions that we have made or that other people have made for us or the things that other people have done against us that we forget who we are. And if you... Remember, if you go back all the way to creation, Satan comes to Eve and he says to Eve, You know, God has created Adam and Eve. You know, what did God say? And he just says, This moment of Eve. Did he really say that? And it causes this downfall, this fracture, this unsettling. And so I want to remind you if we're in the wilderness, come back here. And start with this promise that God declares and looks at us, you are my son, you are my daughter. If we start there, if we start there, that doesn't necessarily solve everything straight away because what we heard is that Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days. And he's in the wilderness for 40 days with wild animals. Now, when we think 40 days, and maybe if you're online, maybe you're already thinking here, when you think 40 days when you think the number 40 what do you think flood yep so Noah watching the rain 40 days yep what else how long were the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years anything else no how long did Elijah spend on Mount Sinai before the people of God started saying oh he's taking too long he's not coming back Oh, wilderness experience for the people of Israel, do you think? What was that last bit? I Moses, sorry, did I, who did I say? Elijah. All right, yeah, well. <laughs> how, long do I, well Eli, how long did Elijah spend in misery after he'd gone and stood up against the gods and the kings and I think he spent, how, well, you can go and check it. <laughs> See, I said Elijah, I was just testing you. spies in the promised land yeah how long were they in there for 40 days. 40 days see what the writer's doing here we read 40 days and we go oh that's interesting everyone who knows anything about reading the scriptures and this is why it's important to read scripture is going oh hang on 40 hang on the prophet isaiah oh hang on what the there's connection here there's a bigger story being told and this is what we often forget See, we often feel that quietness is the absence of God, but I want to suggest that it is the place and history and scripture and biblical encounters remind us and prove it time and time again that their wilderness is not the absence of God, but it is a place where we experience God as our protector and our provider. And again, Jesus with the wild animals. Why does Mark mention, he just makes this one statement, doesn't he? He says, um, if I can find he was being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals and angels attended him. Why? Do you read that and go, what? Well, that's a nice little interesting fact. Now I guess I've probably read that over a period of time and thought, oh well, that's amazing. You know, the Son of God has come amongst it. He's got this communication with the wild animals. Maybe they kind of looked after him, but that's not the indication. Maybe as we as I've read this again, maybe it's a sense of there's wild animals like they're on the prowl. They're hungry. They're looking for their prey. And Jesus is in the midst of these wild animals in the wilderness. This is not an easy situation to be a part of. But again, this connection, think about this, the connection with the creation story. Adam and Eve were given authority over every living thing. They were put in the ideal world and they blew it jesus comes otherwise known in other parts of scripture as the second adam he is put in a fractured broken world in a situation that is less than ideal and he remembers firstly who he is and therefore he receives and knows god's covering could it be that there is a new order of creation being established out of the wilderness there is a new kingdom being established and recreated renewed refreshed now we can sit here and say oh sure you know this is the son of god after all it's okay for jesus You know, he is the son of God, isn't he? But what we'll also see as we read through the Gospel of Mark is that Mark often refers to him as the son of of man. More often, I think, is you'll hear him referred to. So here we have Jesus identifying with our wilderness experiences. Now, one final thought on this. Um, In Luke chapter 4, the temptation story at the end of the temptation story this is what we read when the devil had finished all this tempting he left him until an opportune time have you ever gone through your life and I, i've done this in my life i've gone through and over the last number of years i've gone i thought i was past this i thought i was over this why do i keep feeling like this and then all of a sudden i had this verse come to me and i was reminded of this story of jesus yes he had the temptation it doesn't mean that satan stops his work if you overcome the enemy once, do you think the enemy wants to see you overcoming again? Absolutely not. There will be another time where the enemy comes. It might look a little bit differently. Maybe you handle it a little bit differently because you've matured, because you've grown, because you're in the Word, because you're hearing and receiving the revelation of the Holy Spirit. But the enemy's going to come because he doesn't want us experiencing the abundance of life. I feel like it's a really powerful moment there, but... And here, understand this, Jesus faces more than one temptation. He faces more than one challenge to his identity. He faces more than one challenge to his ministry. And he faces more than one challenge to the kingdom of God. Here it goes. His family thought that he was out of his mind. His followers tried to distract him and his religious leaders took offense of him. And that's to say nothing of the political environment of the time that crucified him. Or that saw him crucified. You don't think Jesus faced some challenges once that temptation, once that wilderness experiences? I wonder if he went through his ministry and went, oh, again? Don't be surprised at the challenges that comes your way when you give your life to following Jesus. When you give your life to following Jesus, when you make the commitment to declare Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you are in a battle. Actually, before that moment, you are in a battle. Because I suspect there's probably some of us sitting here today and there's probably some of us watching online today or any other time and we're going, oh, maybe, maybe not. Will I? Won't I? Maybe I'm ready. Maybe I've got it on the control, which is never the point, incidentally. And maybe I'm not really ready. That, is that not a battle for your life? That is a battle for your heart, for your spirit. Oh, these things have happened. yes they have and that is a battle for your spirit that is a battle for your heart and that's what happens when we come into these wilderness experiences don't be surprised at the challenges that come when you give your life to following jesus and it's not that following jesus will solve it all but it is that following jesus gives us hope it gives us purpose it gives us identity And that's not to say that you know when, we, when we're in the middle of a wilderness experience, it's okay to cry out to God. It's okay to question God. It's okay to seek, and we should seek counsel and help and gather like-minded people around us who will point us back to the Word, who will encourage us in the Word, or who will sit with us in the struggle without wanting to use Scripture as a band-aid. In the middle of our challenges, in the middle of the wilderness, what does it look like to set my heart towards God in the knowledge of who I am? See, I would argue that the wilderness experiences are not indicators that God has left us, but they are invitations to set our heart towards the one who makes all things new. And could the wilderness experience be an invitation and an opportunity to see some new things? And the battle, the struggle, and even use the word the war of repentance, if you like. And I say it's a war. Who has our attention? Who has our heart? Who has our mind? And who has our spirit? Because for a moment we'll hear this conviction, I need to think differently about this, or this is an old pattern of behaviour, oh no, it doesn't really matter, I come under the grace of God. That is a war. That is a determination, an invitation to consider where we turn our spirits. The wilderness though, let me state this clearly, the wilderness doesn't disqualify us from the kingdom. It merely... um, strips away or reveals what needs to be stripped away so that we can more fully follow Jesus. And all year we want to invite you to consider what does it look like and what does it mean for you and I to follow Jesus? And what does it look like to follow Jesus when the circumstances seem against us when there's injustice done against us, when things aren't going as we, as we planned or we hoped or what we thought would be happening is no longer happening, what will it look like for me to follow Jesus? In, my, in the school that I'm a part of, in the classroom that I'm a part of, in the workplace that I'm a part of, in a home where others might not follow Jesus, in a home where others are challenging the idea of what it means to follow Jesus, what will it look like to follow Jesus? Jesus. Because following Jesus is not all about smelling the roses. Following Jesus is not all about bells and whistles. It is about the hard grind and the determination that we make in those difficult moments. And what we will actually notice throughout this year, I believe, as we read through the Gospel of Mark, and you can go away and if you read the Gospel of Mark, look for these moments. You'll see this weaving in and out. Notice the amount, amount of times where um, Jesus withdraws to quiet, lonely places or where things happen in desolate places. See, I would argue that. Um, The desolate places or the wilderness is where miracles happen. It's where the feedings of thousands take place. And in fact, people leave the temples, the synagogues, uh, the traditions, and they encounter the kingdom of God being alive and active in these places as people choose to follow Jesus. So then we move out of the wilderness and the arrest of John becomes a catalyst for the proclamation and the movement for Jesus to move into his ministry. I'm not going to say too much about the arrest of John because the explanation of that uh, it comes up a little bit later. But what we do see is that Jesus begins with a simple proclamation. He begins with an invitation. The kingdom of God has come near. Some some translations say the kingdom of God is fulfilled. Near, fulfilled. Um, Repent and believe the good news. Now the kingdom of God we've often talked about or thought about. The kingdom of God is like well we'll wait until I take our final breath we'll get to heaven in the kingdom of God. And often And we talk about that as being heaven. And this is how many people, religious, were thinking about the kingdom of God, the coming of the kingdom of God. And in fact, the kingdom of God would come by force. The kingdom of God would come as a military economic power. The kingdom of God would come as a political movement. And maybe some of us are waiting for that kind of movement today in our political climate. And Jesus actually comes quietly And says the kingdom of God has come near or fulfilled. Because who's who's he pointing to? As the kingdom of God. Himself. A child born in some backwater. In some horrible circumstances. A child incidentally not born in a position of power or status or authority or military power or economic, or political power, or some huge family story that puts him in a palace, but a child that is born in a pile of hay that may or may not have been chewed on by animals or used in other ways. A child that's born and forced to flee. A child that is born into poverty, This is the kingdom of God. Let me show you what it looks like. Let me show you how it's expressed. Let me show you what it means. Let me show you what it requires of you. Let me show you what it means to participate in this. See, Jesus, this isn't about... This isn't about ritual. This isn't about tradition. Uh, this isn't about heritage or lineage. Lineage, sorry. This is about the kingdom of God being revealed in relationship through a person as it was always meant to be. This is about the kingdom of God being renewed and restored as God intended it to be a kingdom that isn't about tradition or being right or what looks good or what the latest gimmick might be you know what's one of the one of the things and uh, over this last season read a lot of it like i had to stop reading information last year because it just do my head in you need to get this connection you need to have this operating and if you haven't got these five keys in place for online ministry you're going to die in the water and why, why has ministry and the kingdom of God become so determined by everything else except following Jesus? And that's not to say those things aren't important. But my suspicion is, and I, you know, I've tried social media, I've tried using social media, I've thought about Instagram, i put things up with Instagram and Facebook. And yet still as I think about it, the greatest invitation to the kingdom of God is if people of faith take the kingdom of God seriously. Where you and I tell our stories. Because when we put it on social media and tell what the rest of the world, what they're doing wrong, all we do up is being argumentative Christians. And yet, the greatest power in the kingdom of God, the greatest power of the good news, is when we simply point to Jesus, and not just point to Jesus and we go, Oh, isn't he nice? But point to Jesus and say, this is who I am and this is why I am who I am and this is what I pursue. This is the one I pursue. I actually had a conversation this week with my mentor and for some reason, I don't don't know why the question came out, um, and he said, Simon, who would you be and what would you be doing if you weren't following Jesus? Go home and chew on that one for a while. And maybe I'd be successful in other areas. Maybe I would have been a a better mechanic because I would have stuck at it. I wouldn't have been. Maybe I would have been a successful businessman. I don't know. But I had this sense, and I've said this before, and I don't don't even know why, but I had this sense I would have been a really angry, bitter, resentful guy. And I don't know, I can't even explain that. It's just this sense that I have. Maybe I'd be a guy who didn't have any hope. Have you thought about what you might be without Jesus? And then look around your neighbourhood. And is my life distinctive because I walk as though the kingdom of God is near? Could we walk around our neighbourhoods and declare that the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news? Do our marriages reflect that? Do our homes reflect that? Whew! The kingdom of God has come near in the person of Jesus, God with us. A kingdom that is distinctive. And again, this invitation to repent. Reset your attention. Reset your focus. Realign what the kingdom's meant to be about. People started following Jesus, we'll see, over the next few weeks because of the authority that he carried in his teaching. And people have been taught for centuries. I can't help but wonder if the last twelve months is a reminder when we just make it about showing up on Sundays. When we just make it about I still go to work every day and do things the same. Has the kingdom lost its distinctiveness? Have we lost our confidence, for those who follow Jesus in the person of Jesus? in increasing climate crisis, increasing depression, increasing anxiety, increasing family violence, increasing sexual promiscuity, increasing greed, increasing political unrest, increasing slavery, increasing oppression, we're invited to participate in a new way of being, a new kingdom to call out and point to and express and live out not through because not because we have power or status or empire or political strength but the kingdom of god is in humility and in serving in healing in compassion in grace and in love dr drew hart in his book uh, who will be a witness, said, He, that is Jesus, did not come to find fans filled with religious sentimentality, but followers committed in solidarity to a revolutionary movement that bore witness to God's coming reign and a new social order that was flipping everything upside See, to believe is not simply about knowledge, but it is to accept and receive faith and call out faith and walk in faith that transforms our heart, that transforms our heart and then does the work that leads to life. This call, this invitation into the kingdom of God, into following Jesus has in fact not become less powerful that message is not less powerful today than it was when Jesus walked the earth. It is simply that people have become less convinced that Jesus is good news. And dare I suggest, even people like me have become less convinced that Jesus is good news. And this is the imitation, continues to be the imitation for us, for you and I, that Jesus is the good news. Will you follow Jesus knowing that he is with you in the wilderness? I don't know what's happened there, sorry. Will you follow Jesus, as the team comes up, thank you. Will you follow Jesus knowing that now the kingdom of God has come near? Do you believe that the kingdom of God has come near? Do you need to receive and acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour to discover the fullness and the richness of this? And begin the journey. It's not that it's a romantic, right? Everything's salute, but right, today I'm going to follow Jesus. Tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to follow Jesus. What does it look like to follow you today, Jesus? Not just because I was there on Sunday, but because I want to be intentional about expressing that the kingdom of God has come near, the kingdom of God has been fulfilled because I know Jesus to be the Son of God and I know that I am saved, restored and redeemed because of that relationship. And I want to confess that to be true in my own life. If you're online, you might want to make contact with us. We'd love you to make contact. But if you're here in the house, we want to invite you. You can come forward. You can talk to anyone in the ministry team. But if you know someone that is following Jesus, just go to them and say, hey, I need to make this declaration of faith. You can come forward as we sing this song and ask for prayer, but you might just want to go to someone that you trust and that has known your story and say, hey, righto, that's enough. That's enough. I'm not giving any more power to blaming other people or being angry and resentful, being miserable. I'm going to pursue the heart of Jesus out of the wilderness, into the wilderness, wherever he takes me, I'm following And if you're that friend that someone else comes to, it's okay. Just go slow. Just love them. You don't have to have the answers. Just cheer them on in Jesus. And if your prayer is, God, please make yourself known in this moment that the kingdom of God has come near because someone has confessed that. Hey, what a beautiful prayer. But may we know who we are wherever we go and may we know the one that we follow wherever we are led.